Welcome to Real Life Church. For more information about our ministry and available resources, visit us online at reallifeankeny.org. Now let's join this week's service already in progress. Good morning. I picked up a USA Today paper um, when we were out of town here for a few days earlier this week. And I read a story about a, a young mother uh, in Israel who's become known as a, the Glocker mom. Now, I, I'm so ignorant of guns, I didn't know what a Glocker was, but a Glock is, is a semi-automatic handgun. And so during this recent violence in Israel, this young mother posted a Facebook photo showing her holding a Glock on her lap as she drove to and from her home in the West Bank. I feel that it is important for us to do everything in our power to protect ourselves, said this mother of four, adding that she refuses to be a sitting duck. So she drives with one hand on the steering wheel and holds a gun in her other hand. What a mom. Well, Ephesians 6 teaches us that we also are under threat of constant attack. We are in a daily struggle with an invisible enemy who seeks to discourage us, to distract us, to destroy us. And without the sword of the Spirit, we are like sitting ducks. I mean, we are so vulnerable to what the enemy can do to us without the sword of the Spirit. So, so like this Glocker mom, we also ought to refuse to be sitting ducks. And we do that by taking up the sword of the Spirit against the schemes of the devil. Or as the song said that I love that we sang this morning, overcoming daily by the Spirit's sword. You know, I think this message this morning, not because it's from me, but because of the content of it and the importance of this, I think this could really make a huge difference in many of your lives here today. And I really, I really want you to, um, to get this message. I, I really want you not only to hear it, I want you to take it in, I want you to absorb it, uh, I want it to affect your life because I think it could make such such a profound difference to you. And I, I know of no better way to, to begin, at least, to explain the sword of the Spirit and its use uh, than to read a section out of the book Pilgrim's Progress. And for those who aren't familiar with it, in this section there's two characters, Apollyon, which means the destroyer, and it is the name given to Satan or uh, the angel of Satan in the book of Revelation. The other character is Christian, who represents a Christian on his spiritual journey to the heavenly city. In other words, Christian is, is you, hopefully, if you uh, know the Lord and are following him. Here's the story. Apollyon straddled himself across the highway in front of Christian and said, 
Prepare yourself to die. For I swear by my infernal den that you shall go no farther. Here I will destroy your soul. Apollyon threw darts at him, thick as hail, and wounded him in his head, his hand, and foot. Then Apollyon, seeing his opportunity, began to come in close to Christian, and wrestling with him, gave him a dreadful fall. And with that, Christian's sword flew out of his hand. Then said Apollyon, I am sure of you now. And with that, he had almost pressed Christian to death. So that Christian began to despair of life. But as God would have it, while Apollyon was preparing his last blow, thereby to make a full end of this good man, Christian nimbly stretched out his hand for his sword. And he caught it, saying, Rejoice not against me, O my enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. That's taken from Micah 7, 8, which says, Do not gloat over me, my enemy. Though I have fallen, I will rise. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. Christian pulled out that promise of Scripture, and he used it for a sword against Satan. The story goes on. And with that, Christian gave Apollyon a deadly thrust, which made him fall back as one that had received a mortal wound. Christian, perceiving that, struck at him again, saying, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And with that, Apollyon spread forth his dragon's wings and sped away, so that Christian, for a season, saw him no more. In this combat, no man can imagine, unless he had seen and heard, as I did, what yelling and hideous roaring Apollyon made all the time of the fight. He spoke like a dragon. And on the other side, what sighs and groans burst from Christian's heart. I never saw him all the while give so much as one pleasant look till he knew he had wounded Apollyon with his two-edged sword. Then, indeed, he did smile and look upward, but it was the most dreadful sight that ever I saw. And then uh, John Bunyan ends this section uh, with this short poem, short, powerful poem. A more unequal match can hardly be. Christian must fight an angel. But you see, the valiant man, by handling sword and shield, doth make him, though a dragon, quit the field. We are in an unequal match. It's a match against the schemes of the devil, uh, against an angel, against angels, fallen angels, demons, As it says, Christian, the Christian, you and I must fight an angel. But you see, by handling sword and shield, uh, though he is a dragon, we can make him quit the field. And so Apollyon or Satan or his host, his angelic beings that serve with him, 
Apollyon at times stands across the road in front of each of you too. And he says, prepare to die. I will destroy your soul right here. I will bring you to utter spiritual ruin. But the sword of the Spirit is for, is for your personal struggle against the devil and his schemes. It is your weapon. It is the offensive weapon you are given to deal with the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil. William Grinnell uh, said, Satan's first main design is to draw into sin. His second main design is to accuse, vex, and trouble the saints for sin. And I would add a third purpose of Satan. I think he's right on on those first two. But I would add a third purpose of Satan, and that is to destroy your faith. He wants your faith to fail. He wants you to lose hope in the promises of God. He wants you to detach. He wants to detach your heart and your soul from the word of God and the promises of God. He wants to take your joy and peace from you, which come through faith. And if you are downcast and discouraged, it is likely because Satan has found a way to do some damage to your faith. Even in our group here this morning, each of us are facing different threats to our spiritual well-being. Each of us are facing different threats to our spiritual well-being. Someone perhaps is being tempted to sexual sin. Another person may be experiencing doubts about God and about God's faithfulness or even God's existence. Another, be, another person may be tempted to quit, to just throw in the towel, to give up. Someone else may be sinking into the pit of self-pity. Another may be attacked by despondency, by fears and anxieties or despair. You may hear a voice in your head telling you that life is grim and dark and hopeless. Someone else may be tempted to conform to the lusts and pleasures and values of the world system. But we are given, thank God, a weapon against all these schemes of the enemy. We are given a weapon that will slay all of these enemies. And of course, it is the sword of the Spirit. This passage simply says, the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. Take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You must take it up and use it against the schemes of the devil. When Satan presses you to despair or to sin, you take up a word from God's Word. And you strike back by speaking the Word of God into the struggle, into the fight. And with this weapon, it is surely an effective weapon. It is surely a trusty weapon. With this weapon, you can slay the giants of doubt, the demons of despair, the temptations to sin. You can stand up against the darkest thoughts, 
the darkest feelings, the most seductive temptations that will enter your soul. And then you can go on your way. Finally, like Christian, you can look up with a smile and you can go on your way with peace and righteousness and joy. This weapon will overcome anything that Satan can bring against you. Now, I want to go over five or six um, things that I, I think are really important for each of you to know, each of us to know about the sword of the Spirit. First, Paul's use of the word sword is significant. The sword is a lethal weapon. Now, and I think we have to take time to think about this because for us, what is a sword? Uh, it's an ornament. If We don't have a sword in our house, but if we did, it would be something that my wife would put over the mantle on our fireplace or something. Uh, to, to us, a sword is an ornament or a, or a historical relic. That's, that, at least that's kind of what I think of when I think of a, as a sword. Well, in Paul's day, when he wrote this, everyone knew what a sword was, and they had a, had, had a vivid mental picture of what it meant to take up a sword. A sword was used to slay, to pierce, to decapitate, to dismember, to thrust through an opponent. Uh, an opponent. As I said, it was a, a lethal weapon. Uh, you, you, you use it to do what David did to Goliath after he knocked him over with his sling. He drew out Goliath's sword and he cut his head off. I mean, I, not to get too graphic, but, but I want you to understand that the sword is a deadly weapon. And this, I believe, shows the mentality that you are to have in the battle with your spiritual enemies. The reason that many of our spiritual problems don't go away is that we do not realize the need for lethal force, powerful force, deadly force in dealing with these things. You do not play with doubts or anxieties or temptations. You kill them. As Paul said in Romans 8, by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body. You know, I was reading a book recently about worry, anxiety, and fear. Um, and in, in this book, it said this. It said, you have been placing your trust in your own fears. When they speak, you listen intently. Your faith lies with them. And it talked about how we, you kind of develop a relationship with these things. And as I was preparing for this message, I thought, you know, instead of taking a sword to these things, we do develop a relationship with these things. We, instead of taking a sword to these things, we sometimes coddle these things. We just kind of allow them to hang around. We sort of toy with them. We talk about them. We talk to them. We reason with them. We listen, like it said. When they speak, you listen. When they speak, Paul would say, you take out your sword and kill them. You slay them. 
So you use your sword to sever, not to coddle this relationship, but to sever this relationship with, with anxious thoughts. Other things too, but just for example here with anxious thoughts by the word of God. You take up the sword of the Spirit, perhaps this one from Isaiah. I, even I, am he who comforts you. Who are you that you fear, mortal men? The sons of men who are but grass, that you forget the Lord your maker. I am the Lord your God, the Almighty, who says to you, you are my people. You must sever the relationship that you have with Sinful habits or addictions or sins that entangle you with attitudes and emotional patterns that have enslaved you. And you do that with the sword of the Spirit. It's the only thing powerful enough to do that. Secondly, the second thing that that I want you to see, uh, the Word of God here means the things God has said. Now, I don't want to get lost in this, but there are two words for word in Scripture. That might sound confusing. There's two words for word in Scripture. One is logos. The other is rhema. They each have a little different meaning. And I'm going to quote uh, uh, Ray Stedman to, to explain this. He said, it is important to see that Paul doesn't mean the complete Bible when he says the word of God. There are two words for word of God. The word logos refers to the total utterance of God, the complete revelation of what God has said. Rhema means a specific saying of God, a passage or a verse that has special application to an immediate situation. David Jeremiah put it this way, Rhema most literally means the sayings of God, the utterances of God. So the sword of the Spirit is a specific word of God for a specific situation in your life. To take up the sword of the Spirit is to take up specific words of God, or specific words God has spoken to us, and use those against, use those words against Satan and the temptations you are facing right now. There is no better use of of using the the sword of the Spirit or the rhema of God than when Jesus responded to the devil when he was tempted in the wilderness. And many of you are probably familiar with the story. Matthew chapter 4, verse 3, it says, After fasting 40 days, Jesus was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered. This is how Jesus dealt with that, that, that pull of the devil to do something that was wrong for him to do at that time, at that moment. Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And each time that Satan tried to draw Jesus into something that it was not right for him to do, or not right for him to do in the way that Satan suggested at that time, Jesus responded with, It is written, and then quoted a verse. It is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. It is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then, it says, the scripture says, the devil left him. You know, Jesus could have called in angels to fight the devil. He could have commanded, he just could have rebuked Satan himself, commanded him to leave. But he used the word of God to overcome. He used a specific text, 
a specific saying of God. He used the word of God, the rhema of God to deal with the devil. The sword of the spirit is the word of God, but it is not just a Bible. Some people feel that having a Bible on a nightstand is somehow a spiritual protection. It is not. A Bible on a nightstand or a coffee table is no threat to the devil. Only when you take up a living, empowered word from God and speak it into the fight, speak it into the fight of the present moment, does it cause the devil to flee? Only when you take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Number three, the Word of God is the weapon the Spirit uses. Right? The Bible is the written Word of God. The Holy Spirit is God who is with us and in us. They are not the same, but they work Together, the weapon the Holy Spirit uses is the Word of God. That's how close the, close the relationship there is. The Holy Spirit uses the Word of God. His sword, the sword of the Spirit, the sword that belongs to the Holy Spirit, the sword that the Holy Spirit uses is the Word of God. And He makes the Word of God living and active and powerful. This is what explains the power of Bible teaching and preaching. If God helps us, if God helps me to do my job right, uh, then when, when we teach on Sunday mornings, we are passing out swords. We are taking portions of God's words, or we are taking specific words of God, and we are giving them to you so that you can take them and use them in your battle with the world, the flesh, and the devil. This explains the power of the Bible itself, just being in the Scriptures, reading the Scriptures. It explains the power of the Bible to comfort you, to liberate you, to restore your faith, to calm your fears. It is a living book. It is the sword of the Spirit. It has power and it has life. The Bible, of course, is inspired or authored by the Holy Spirit. Men moved by the Spirit wrote the Scriptures, moved along, or were born along by the Holy Spirit. And even now the Holy Spirit is moving, breathing, and speaking through His Word, using His Word in your life. He he empowers it so that when you read it and take it and use it, it has power to cause Satan to flee from you. Number four. You must be led by the Spirit in the use of God's Word. The Holy Spirit indwells you, and He guides you in the use of the Word of God. I know this could get confusing, but I feel it's important to say. Just because something is in the Bible does not mean it is the specific saying of God that you are to use at any given moment. Okay, you know, uh, when Jesus was tempted by Satan in the wilderness, he was not the only one who said, it is written. I mean, Satan can quote scripture too. He can quote the wrong scripture 
for you in the wrong way, at the wrong time, with a, with a twist or a distortion to it that you shouldn't listen to. You know, so when Satan took Jesus, it says, to the highest point of the temple in Jerusalem, and he, and he taunted him, saying, Throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. A great verse. Fantastic verse. But quoted by Satan in the wrong situation, applying it in the wrong way at the wrong time to Jesus. But the Holy Spirit doesn't do that. He brings the right truth to mind at the proper moment. He brings the specific word of God that you need for the precise battle you are in at the right moment. You know, the Bible cannot be understood apart from the Holy Spirit. And if that is true, it certainly cannot be used as a weapon against the devil without the help and leading and power of the Holy Spirit. You know, many times I have said, thank you, Lord, for causing me to run across this specific verse tonight or this morning because that is exactly what I needed for my situation today. Um, or I've said, thank you, Lord, for directing me, to, directing me to hear that message that contained that truth or that portion of Scripture that I can use against the specific uh, despair or accusation or battle uh, that Satan has been hounding me with. Uh, there's just, there's, there, there is, I don't know how to explain all, all of this, but there, there is a supernatural element to this sword of the Spirit, okay? It is the sword of the Holy Spirit, and we need to, to ask him to teach, us how, to teach us how to use his word to bring to our mind the right portions of Scripture for the right uh, situations. Number five, the power of this weapon, the power of the sword, is that it is not our words or thoughts, but the words and thoughts of God. Right, the power of this weapon it is that it is not your words or thoughts, but it is the words and thoughts of the Holy Spirit. I, I, don't, I don't care how eloquent you are. I don't care how um, uh, knowledgeable you are. I don't care how smart you are. There is nothing that you can say that is as powerful as God's word spoken into a need in your life. And spiritual victory will begin to come in your life when you, be, when you base your life not on your own words, but on God's words. And I think when you, when you, come, when you are born again, um, I, within you, by, by the work of the Spirit, you begin to have a, a love of the Scriptures and instinctively know to go to them for the basic answers of life. But so many believers stray away from this. They stray away from, from going to the Scriptures, going to the Word of God for the basic answers to life. 
you know, as, as, as I talk to people, um, sometimes I, I hear them repeat cliches or popular sayings. And, and the thing that bothers me is that I, I can tell that they, are, that they are relying on those things to help them through their problems. They're, they're counting on those things to, to help them overcome. And you, know, you, you could list, uh, list these, but you know, just some things um, that, I, that I sometimes have heard or heard people say or read. You know, things can only get better. They can't get any worse. Or everything happens for a reason. Or, you know, you just got to bite the bullet. Or you just got to be strong. Or ask yourself what makes you come alive. Then go do that. Um, or even, you know, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. I mean, there may be truth in all those human sayings, but they will not overcome the devil. You need the word of God. You need the rhema of God, the sword of the spirit, to overcome the devil in your life. So, do you fight your battles uh, against anxiety, against sinful desires or addictions or despair or guilt or condemnation with your words or the word of God? If you're fighting these things with your own thoughts and words, you will continually stay in a place of defeat. You need the sword of the Spirit against enemies as dark and powerful as you have. You know, Spurgeon wrote a little devotional um, titled, um, He Hath Said. You know, of course, he wrote in about the time of the Civil War, mid-1800s, 1860s. And so, it's all, it's all um, Old English. He Hath Said. Uh, well, this was taken from Hebrews 13.5. I'm going to update the language a bit. Uh, For he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. But the whole focus of this devotional was that we need to build our lives around what he hath said or what he has said. Spurgeon wrote, if we can only grasp these words by faith, we have an all-conquering weapon in our hand. What doubt will not be slain by this two-edged sword? What fear is there which will not fall before this weapon God has said. Just for a few examples, God has said, I have loved you with an everlasting love. God has said, I will forgive your wickedness and remember your sins no more. God has said, when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. Spurgeon went on to say in this devotional, You can remember the sayings of great men. You treasure up the verses of songs or poems. Ought you not also to have great knowledge of the words of God so that you you may be able to quote them readily when you would solve a difficulty or overthrow a doubt? What God hath said is the source of all wisdom and the fountain of all comfort. Let it dwell in you richly. So shall you grow healthy, strong, and happy. I like that. 
Number six. And the last one. But it's a long one. (laughs) Begin to read your Bible as a sword. Use the things that you read in your Bible as a sword. Just not that many days ago, um, troubles and responsibilities were seemingly just piling up in my mind. Uh, I, w- I would just call them a sense of uh, a lot of things to do, uh, more, more to do than I felt like I had time to do, worries about that. Uh, just wondering how all those things pressing upon me could work out. Well, I read Psalm 143.11. That morning, it said, Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the anger of my foes, and with your right hand, you save me. So I took that verse, I, I, in a sense, pulled that verse out of Scripture and used it as a sword against my enemies of worry and apprehension. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you, God, you preserve my life. I latched onto it. You know, I, I didn't just skim over it. Uh, it's not like we read our Bibles just to read a ver- few verses or a chapter to check them off. Okay, I did my Bible reading for the day. We read it so that we have swords to use so that we can survive in our battle against the devil. So when I read a verse like that, I will usually read it and speak it out loud. I, will, I, I, I took it as for me. I, I, I spoke it into my situation, and it brought real help. I, I used it as, as a sword. So when you, hear the word, when you hear God's word, whether it's spoken in a message, perhaps like on a Sunday morning like this, when you hear God's word spoken... Or when you read God's word, take up those things as a sword in the struggles of your life. And I'm not saying this is the only thing to look for when you read your Bible. There are many ways to read your Bible, but you should at least partially read your, always read your Bible as a sword. Looking for those things, those sayings of God that meet a specific need in the specific battles that you are fighting today. I know that Mary has needed a sword to deal with overwhelming grief. I'm sure Elizabeth and Jenny too. You may need a sword to deal with overwhelming despair or overwhelming loneliness. You may need a sword that will help you fight envy or a critical spirit. And here's kind of how this works. If you feel the weight of concerns come upon you, you take the sword of the Spirit and you say, my God will accomplish what concerns me. If you feel humiliated and put to shame, you take up this sword. Do not be afraid. You will not be put to shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. 
you will no longer remember the shame of your youth. When anxieties begin to swarm around your mind like bees, which seems like they do when they, you know, it's usually not one anxiety, they just kind of come in bunches and swarm around you. You take up a sword like this. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. If you find yourself fretting about someone doing evil to you or taking advantage of you, you may take up this sword from Psalm 37. Do not fret because of those who do evil. Do not envy those who do wrong. Trust in the Lord and do good. Commit your way to the Lord. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, and he will bring forth your justice like the noonday sun. If Satan whispers into your mind that you're missing out on all the fun of this world, speak out these words. Do not love the world. The world and its desires are passing away, but whoever does the will of God will live forever. When unclean thoughts enter your mind, you might use this sword. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. To share another personal example, a few weeks ago I was sitting in my basement, uh, actually laying in my basement, laying on the sofa, and for some reason it just seemed like I just, I, woke, it was, I think it was the middle of the night. I woke up and it just seemed like, man, God is, how do I get to God? <laughs> you know, God seems so far away. How do I get into his presence? I felt like anything but in his presence. And the Holy Spirit brought to mind 1 Peter 3.18. Christ died the righteous for the unrighteous that he might bring us to God. And I used that as a sword of the Spirit. I spoke out. I trust in Christ to bring me to God. Maybe that sounds very profound, but it felt pretty profound to me that night. I trust in the sufficiency of Christ's work to get me all the way to God. And sometimes when you feel pretty far from God, that's an amazing thing. Christ brings you all the way to God. I trust in Christ to bring me from earth to heaven, from my basement to the throne room of God in this moment. When you're pulled towards self-pity or complaining, you might use this sword of the Spirit. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing in everything. Give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. If you're feeling frustrated about financial loss, maybe, maybe huge financial loss, speak out boldly. If we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. If someone hurts you and you're tempted to seek revenge, you might pick up this sword. Do not return evil for evil or insult for insult. For you were called for this very purpose that you might inherit a blessing and be a blessing. And I could go on and on. But I want to close by asking you a question. Do you see the sword of the Spirit as an extremely valuable thing to you? 
Do you see the sword of the Spirit as an extremely valuable weapon? Do you see how it can unlock a door? Do you see how it can set you free from a bondage or overcome sin and Satan? Do you see how it can heal your wounds, dry your tears, restore your faith, restore your joy, your peace? How it can give you perseverance to run your race? If you would see it, if you and I, if all of us, if you would see it as valuable, or if you would see it as If you would see it as, as valuable as it truly is to you, you know, Josh, and, Josh or I would never have to give you one more encouragement to read your Bibles. We could not keep you out of the Scriptures. And there, there would be a stampede to get her each Sunday morning for the teaching of God's Word. There would be such an eagerness to hear and to listen and to take it up. If we really understood how valuable the sword of the Spirit is and how, and how badly we need it to be able to stand. You know, when David fled from Saul, who was trying to kill him, uh, he went to the priest Ahimelech, and David asked, don't you have a spear or a sword here? Interesting question. He was, he was in danger. He was fleeing for his life. Saul was hunting him down like a dog. And David asked, don't you have a spear or a sword here? And the priest replied, the sword of Goliath is here. If you want it, take it. And you know what David said? He said, there is none like it. Give it to me. He was in desperate need of a weapon, and when he he was offered the sword of Goliath, he saw the great value of it. He, He saw that it was an amazing sword. I mean, it was a weapon of weapons. And that's how we need to see the sword of the Spirit. And I think if, if we realized what it, what it was, um, we, would, we would say, like David, there is none like it, give it to me. That's how bad, that's how bad or how eager we would be for the word. Give it to me, Lord. I need the sword of the Spirit to use in my battle. Let's pray. Father, thank you uh, for the sword of the Spirit. Thank you for its power to free us. Thank you for its power to defeat all the vicious attacks of the enemy. We just ask, Lord, that we may be faithful um, to take it up, to use it, and let us see it Let us see the word of God for how valuable it is. And whenever whenever we have an opportunity uh, to take it in, uh, let us say like David, there is nothing like it. Give it to me. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.